In the greatest 80s movie ever made, four unlikely heroes save New York from Gozer, and Mr. Stay Puff <laughs> unleashes his white sticky goo on everybody. Hey, uh, this is spoilers. <laughs> Hello. Can they still make 80s movies? Can they still try it? <laughs> uh, well, it's it's definitely officially the greatest, so you know we're good on that. So, hello everybody. This is Brett. I'm recording from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, if you want to go around and everyone introduce themselves and tell us where you're recording from. This is Pappy, recording from Denver, Colorado. I'm really excited to spoil the aforementioned Ghostbusters movie. And pumped to welcome Sigourney Weaver into the Four Movie Club, joining Kurt Russell and Tilda Swinton as the most spoiled actors of all time. Congrats! It's a huge honor. It's a real yeah, honor. Congrats. 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 Yeah, congrats! Yeah, good job, good, good job, Sigourney. We'll be sending them a T-shirt in the yes. mail. It's one of the most prestigious awards a thespian <laughs> can receive. Uh, my name is Mikey. I'm recording from Elkhart. Um, yeah, uh, Ghostbusters. It is a great '80s movie. Uh, I mean, there's not anything bad to say about it, so I'm ready to get into it. This is Josh recording from where Brett used to live and sadly doesn't anymore, uh, Goshen, Indiana. Sigourney Weaver. She was with like Danny Trejo, just with three appearances on spoilers. But oh. I'm glad. I'm glad she made it to that next tier. That's kind she's, of a big deal. She's glad too. What? A- we got aliens and what else? What just all the alien movies? <laughs> Two aliens. We've done uh, just about all. A of monster them. calls and now Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah. mm, never heard of that third one. Well, since we're talking about her, I mean, hot or not in this movie, Ghostbusters. Uh, I mean, her hair, the nineteen eighty four hairstyle is not my my favorite, but she's she's decent. I thought she was hot. I thought. The hair before she turned into a demon <laughs> was the go-to look. Yeah, uh, yeah. After after she turned into a demon, she got kind of like a perm. It wasn't a very good look. Well, yeah, no. But yeah, perms really she's are. She's a dog. Yeah, she is a dog. Yeah, yeah. It's true. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Makes me one happy pappy. So this is uh, one of those movies that features a lot of ad libs. Um, I was just wondering how. You guys felt about that? That's, I know it's we're gonna launch in the movie, but I didn't know if that was something you guys like. If it's well done, I know the um, Judd Apatow movies are like all ad libs, and I didn't know if you like prefer a regular script or uh, like the actors to be able to free flow a little bit. Um, Josh, yeah, typically I'd say I like a standard script, but I think what Ghostbusters, this Ghostbusters, does so well is. Um, you can't tell the ad libs are ad libs. No one's like laughing on set or like tongue in cheek, like he he. It's like well done, and you can tell the actors are in character. I think a Judd Apatow movie. I feel like you always know when they're ad libbing, and that's supposed to be like charming and fun. And I am not a big fan of that style of it. Uh, yeah, I didn't even know that they were ad libbing in Ghostbusters, and you can tell like Josh said, when it's in an Apatow movie, but I couldn't tell. And I think that just shows how good Bill Murray yeah, and exactly. Harold, Harold Ramis and all of these guys are at doing what they do. And all the dialogue's really tight, too. Like, it's not like it's just joke, 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 joke. Like, even when there is an ad-lib, it's usually, like, somehow advancing the story or, like, 
breaking down the situation or, or something like that. Like it's still, it doesn't like get self-indulgent. It's just like a quick line, a quick joke. Then mm-hmm. like, keep, keep moving, keep moving. Yeah. And I usually, yeah. I think that's a key word that, that self-indulgent yeah. word is the key word. Yeah. I don't uh, usually like, I'm not never been a huge one-liner guy, but I mean, I could listen to um, Bill Murray do one-liners in this movie. I mean, um, you kind of start out, I'm not going to go through the whole movie, obviously, but you know, the opening library scene, um, when I first watched this movie, I was about four or five and, uh, a couple of the early scenes, uh, did quite the number on me. So, um, I actually read somewhere that they said it was kind of a perfect blend of humor and scary. I know we're kind of all a little too old to be scared by some of that stuff, but I don't know. I thought it was a really well done kind of mixture of the bo- of both of those things. So, well, and like the, the horror scenes play it totally straight like there's one or two scenes of the movie that are like very spooky like the opening uh sequence is straight horror and then the scene where sigourney weaver is talking to her mom on the phone and she gets sort of like oh wheeled into the kitchen like that's like straight horror too so Mm -hmm. like yeah even though this is a comedy like it, it, it does take the time to be kind of spooky spooky spoilers one of those like goblin hands that comes up totally just like grabs her boob, right? Oh, definitely. I would definitely. love oh, to yeah. be that goblin hand oh, had the yeah. best job on set. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, my uh, my sister still has a hard time sleeping with uh, the light out, and you can see the you know the light coming through the cracks because she still thinks about that scene. So, real quick side note: everyone in here went to IU, right? See, yes. Okay, I don't know if you've ever been up in the stacks in the library. I never went Anybody? to the library during college, Brett. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I guess it was a little library. different. When I, <laughs> I went to back the then, we used to, Yeah, I went up there. We had to read just, like physical like tablets, yeah. right? You had yep. to like yeah, yeah, hiero- hieroglyphs and stuff. Yeah, <laughs> we were hieroglyphics one hundred and one. That was a you had to get your chisel chisels sharpened for your tablet yep. <laughs> so you could take. It. God, it's so funny. I make we make these same jokes for like my dad, and you guys are making them for us. It's crazy. <laughs> oh, you're old. Yeah, we're old. Yeah, you're young. Um. But I don't know. I feel like the what? <laughs> first library scene kind of sets it up, um, you, and it kind of leaves you wondering what scared her so badly. And then, well, maybe you know, maybe Pappy and Mikey haven't been in the stacks at IU's Herman B. Wells Library, but perhaps they have been um, in an old library or a section of a library where there's nobody in there. And as my dad would say. A situation like that where you're around like all these books and like the history involved with them and you're supposed to be quiet and it it gives you that feeling where, again, like my dad would always say, your asshole kind of puckers up a little bit. Oh, yeah, I agree. (laughs) So I think they kind of portrayed that pretty well in that first scene is, uh, yeah, walking through a library. It's kind of spooky. Something about it. Yeah. I love I love the effect of all the uh, the index cards flying mikey loves like practical effects and doesn't like the yeah so and i read about did you read about how they did that and stuff no i was going to though um what, what well you know the the drawers opening was a little easier they had people behind it like pushing them out but then they mm-hmm. they blew like a bunch of like air on the cards so they all flew up like that oh okay but uh you yeah. know we'll, i love we'll that. probably get a little into the special effects later some of them were really good for their time some of them are pretty brutal <laughs> so 
I feel like I know you guys, those yeah. special effects people that are like behind those bookcases and just in general, the like extras in this movie, they look like they're having a blast. Oh, yeah. I'm jealous. For sure. That's where I wish I was in the 80s instead, <laughs> yeah. of, instead of already being 50. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, I feel like the first scene where the three guys go into the library kind of sets the stage with their chemistry, which I think I just think their chemistry in the movie is just unbelievable. And, you know, Pete's that kind of wisecracking D bag and uh, Egon's a obvious straight man and Ray's kind of like a mixture of both. Maybe I don't know if you guys feel that way or not, but I mean, Peter's one liners in that opening scene. I mean, a lot of that was ad lib, like, but the, when he gets the slime on his hand and he's all, that's like all him just reacting to getting the slime on his hand. And then the, you know, symmetrical book stacking line and listen, do you smell something? I just, I, I just love that whole little part. kind of gets me into the movies. This is hot, Ray. Symmetrical book stacking, just like the Philadelphia Man's Turbulence of 1947. You're right, no human being would stack books like this. Listen, you smell something? Venkman's character definitely has like a little quick uh, arc too because he goes from being not only like a skeptic, like basically an all and out fraud trying to have sex with like Coeds, students like yeah like a straight fraud in his studies and then like he gets dragged into this uh actual paranormal event and like the whole time he's a denier until he sees it and then he's like all right how are we gonna deal with this <laughs> like, like, yeah and he gets i don't know if you can see him when they talk yeah. about containing the ghosts he kind of gets a little gleam in his eye because he you know wants money he just lost his job for whatever reason ray call it fate call it luck call it karma i believe that everything happens for a reason i believe that we were destined to get thrown out of this dump for what purpose to go into business for ourselves this ecto containment system that spengler and i have in mind is going to require a load of brad to capitalize where are we going to get the money i don't know I don't know. You know, he gets dragged into it because he's a skeptic, but at the same time, he's kind of almost a mastermind behind it. But yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, he's kind of the streetwise business sense guy that kind of steers them in the direction of making this profitable. And he's kind of, even as it shows like later, like the very last fight scene, if you will, he's kind of like directing them. Like he's like the captain and they're his squad, they're his squad or something. Oh, yeah. He's definitely the. Mm-hmm. He's the, the leader, even though uh, Venkman calls uh, mm-hmm. Ray the heart of the Ghostbusters. I would say Peter's definitely the leader. And basically, like all of the male leads in this movie have like a level of anxiety about them, like from like the EPA guy to the mayor to like Rick Moranis, Harold Ramis. Mm-hmm. Like they're all a little bit like worried about it. Like Bill Murray just is so effing cool the whole time. Like he's totally yep. relaxed. Like, and that's what like he's like sort of the eye like the center of the whole movie in that way he's just this cool guy mm-hmm. drifting through these like crazy ass adventures yeah and just to touch on your point earlier about how he was a skeptic you can really kind of catch it early on in that library scene when 
Ray and Egon are both creeping along and looking really scared, and he's just like literally walking, not <laughs> expecting, not expecting to see anything. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know um, how familiar you guys are with some of the backstory of this movie. Uh, you guys familiar with any of it? I assume it involves no. a lot of cocaine, but other than that, I don't know. No, that's not that's not exactly what I meant. But like, I assume it involves like a short list of every '80s celebrity, from John Candy to Eddie Murphy to Michael Keaton, turning turning down roles and stuff. Yeah, that that's definitely part of what I was talking about. But uh, Dan Aykroyd actually wrote the script by himself, and it was way different. It was they were fighting ghosts in space. It was in the future. Um, it was really convoluted, and when uh, they brought it to uh, Ramis and Reitman, they like saw the brilliance in it and like the idea, but they were like, "Yeah, we're going to help you rewrite this script." So they, I guess it, they went to like Cape Cod or something, took three weeks and wrote the script that you see uh, on the screen. So, you know, Ackroyd got the ball rolling, but he's a little weird, and his script was quite bizarre. <laughs> Makes good vodka though. Yeah, oh, well, I'm sure. <laughs> but uh, Josh did bring up my other point about that. Uh, this, the movie was written for John Belushi, Dan Aykroyd, and Eddie Murphy. Um, obviously, John Belushi didn't make it to 1984, I don't believe. And Eddie Murphy decided to do another great 80s movie, in my opinion, which is Beverly Hills Cop. And John Candy as well. So I was just wondering, just hearing all that, Pappy, if you think if they would have been involved it would have been a better movie. Cause I think back to cool runnings and you guys talking about what the movie was supposed to be and who was supposed to be in it. And you guys all thought it'd been a way better movie. I thought if I was wondering if maybe you thought this could have been a better movie with those people. I mean, obviously I disagree, but well, yeah. So, okay. Wait, so who are we trading? We're trading Bill Murray for John Belushi. Would that be the, yes, that's what I was thinking. And then, I don't think that. And then, and then obviously, Eddie, Ernie Hudson for Eddie Murphy because they're both black. And we can only have one black guy in the movie. Is that the... Yeah, and he was barely in the movie. Yeah. When we, when we replace John Belushi with Bill Murray and we replace Eddie Murphy for Ernie Hudson, what this movie would become would be a lot less subtle and restrained. Yes. Which is like the absolute I, yeah, strength yeah. of the movie. It's so mm. played... Not underhandedly, but just so played so calmly and restrained, and all of the jokes are just tight, quick, and, and like I said earlier, not self indulgent. And like, if we add a big star like John Belushi to the mix, who's always over the top, and Eddie Murphy, like now this, there's only one camera that's going to be going in a lot of different directions. Yeah. It might fall into traps of like other adaptations of Ghostbusters fell, fell into where everyone's trying to be the joke person. That'd be like having Kobe and Michael and LeBron on the same court. Yeah, same team. Yeah. yeah. I think uh, like what Pap's saying is that's that's kind of what makes the movie feel realistic. Like this could actually be something happening. Uh, yeah. But yeah, all those all of those people in the same movie would be a bit distracting. Yeah, because I think Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd play the perfect we're part of this movie. We're really important in this movie, but Bill Murray's the one who's kind of running the show and we feed off of him. And I think like you guys kind of said, if it was John Belushi, you know, he'd be doing physical comedy, tripping over chairs and Eddie Murphy would be doing his, his thing. Another little quick thing. Uh, Josh mentioned about John Candy. Um, I don't know if you read about that, but he was 
he was cast as uh, Louis Tully, um, but he was dead set on being mm. German and having like little schnauzer dogs. And they told him they didn't like it. And he was just, like refused to do it. So, and I think it kind of worked out because I think, I think Rick Moranis is like kind of a un, unsung hero over this movie. I just think he's really good. He, oh my gosh, he made me laugh a lot. Oh yeah. I mean, someone called him a scene stealer. Like he just stole a lot of these little scenes. He, I don't know. I thought he did a really good job. So. Happy. What was your favorite Rick Moranis scene from this movie? Well, I was going to say even beyond his comedic performance, there's a scene and this is the scene I remember the most vividly from my childhood. And it's another straight horror scene. Yeah. Oh yeah. I know Pre- you're about. Pretty much where he's like running up against, uh, running from the dogs. He runs up against yep. the glass at this restaurant <laughs> and there is like a joke where everyone like looks over at him. But then like at the end of the scene, he's like, getting dragged away like and it, and it's like if you're seeing it for the first time you're like is this dude like dying is he getting eaten by this dog like and he plays it like a, a straight scared character oh, yeah. and like i can't picture john candy a running from the dog and then b like being able to play that scene like and not taking away from the authentic <laughs> spookiness that's supposed to be yeah i'm gonna be away in here i gotta get Nice doggy, cute little pooch. Maybe I got a milk bone. Oh! He, I mean, he looks absolutely terrified, so he sold it. The movie did, no, I was going to say the movie doesn't undercut the scary parts by trying to make them funny, which is so awesome. Like, right. just lets it be. But sorry, go ahead, Josh. I was going to say my favorite part is it's just like a real short quip he has, but like the time, the comedic timing is brilliant. And I think Janine is asking him if he wants coffee. It's something that simple. And he's like, he's like the key master at this point. And yeah. And she's like, do you want coffee? And he's like, do I? <laughs> and he has like, yes, have some. And he just goes, yes, have yes, some. Have have some. some. Yeah. What did you say your name was? Vince Clortho, Keymaster of Gozer. According to this, his name's Louis Tully. Lives on Central Park West. Do you want some uh, coffee, Mr. Tully? Do I? Yes, have some. Yes, have some. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why. Yeah. But that no, was, it's, I think that's. He's got a lot editing. of little scenes like that. I think that was good editing, but good delivery as well. Uh, I consider myself quite the Ghostbusters. Uh, expert, but I actually noticed something watching it this time that I've never noticed before. Kind of a really mini joke they put in there, but Rick Moranis' character, he's uh, Vince Cortho, the keymaster. He locks himself out of his apartment three different times during the movie. Oh. Yeah, he's constantly getting locked out. Because he's, he's, key. he's the keymaster of Gozer, so <laughs> That's I don't know. <laughs> I, can't, awesome. I never, never realized that. I think it's uh, kind of understated brilliance, but they use like the rule of threes there too with that joke. Like it's really obvious the first time and it's kind of funny. And then they show a little bit less of it the second time and oh, yeah. chuckle. And the third time they like to just barely show that he's locked out again. And it's like freaking hilarious when he locks himself out of his party. Is that the third one? I don't remember. I think really so. Funny. Yeah. 
my favorite sequence of the entire movie, um, we could just talk about that a few minutes maybe, was when they go to the Sedgwick Hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of like the first time you really get to see them in action, like besides the first, the very first time. I don't know. Um, any favorite parts you guys can think of? You know, you know what part I'm talking about when they go to the hotel? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. One of my uh, little favorite parts, and then I'll give it to you guys, that I don't think a lot of people notice, maybe, is uh, the last thing Janine says on the phone is, oh, yeah, they'll be discreet. And then they walk oh, yeah. in, and Bill Murray immediately goes, "Anybody here seen a ghost?" <laughs> well, and they had their lights on, and they like fly up to the front door. Yeah, and those back and backpacks. Yeah, and stuff. Bill Murray's openly mocking the guy, um, <laughs> like right away. He's like, "Oh no, of course not, no." So I don't know. I think that whole sequence is kind of seeing them go from obvious amateurs to at the end, they kind of pull it together and. You know, they realize they can really do this thing. So, uh, yeah, this was one of the funnier parts. I thought was when they're waiting for the elevator mm-hmm. and they're kind of chatting it up with that old guy, yeah. and they're like, uh, "Yeah, you got a roach problem," and he's like, "Must be a pretty big roach," <laughs> and they they've all got their gear on and Bite. waiting for the elevator. I thought it was they'll hilarious. bite your head off, man. And that segues yeah, into yeah. the <laughs> elevator scene where. They char- they like turn on Ray's pack, and it's the first time you've heard that like, whirring. Yeah, that, and they get yeah, and they yeah. All step yeah. away from it. Let's get ready. Switch me on. And then they <laughs> blast that poor maid. She's like, "What the hell are you doing?" So so, what happens if a human actually gets hit by a beam? Uh, it's a nuclear proton reactor. I can't imagine anything good happens. I mean, did you see what it did to the cake? <laughs> and the walls, like it sets the walls on yeah. fire. I mean, I think yeah. it just sets it I on fire. I think she probably would have exploded a little bit, but I mean, the toilet paper was all burning up. Well, I have to steal a little bit again from one of my heroes, Mr. Plinkett. Mr. Plinkett. He did a, he did a, he did a YouTube review of uh, the new <laughs> Ghostbusters. And uh, he talks a little bit about the old one. And then one of the things he points out is that, I mean, the writing in this movie is so tight. Like this is like the first real big adventure that they have. And it like comes at the exact 30 minute mark. So like this movie's never boring. And then all of the jokes within the scene are like so well constructed and tight and just keep the plot moving. Like, like we just said, like they're waiting at the elevator punchline. They're in the elevator joke. Um, I do really like the part where, uh, Bill Murray's on his, uh, walkie talkie. Oh my gosh. And he's, he's talking to, uh, Right here, to Ray. Ray? Ray? Looking yeah. at me. <laughs> yeah. we we'll probably play, play that clip now. Come yeah. in, Ray. Pickman! I saw it! I saw it! I saw it! It's right here, Ray. It's looking at me. He's an ugly little spud, isn't he? I think he can hear you, Ray. Don't move. It won't hurt you. What does he say? Like, Ray says, you should do this to it. I think it's like, I think he can hear you. <laughs> no, he goes, he's, a, he's an ugly spud, isn't he? He can hear you, Ray. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, whatever you do, don't move. <laughs> it won't that, hurt you or something, yeah. The whole sequence is just so iconic, and it's, like, shot really well, too. Like, I love that shot of the hotel hallway back and forth with Slimer. Is that his? Is that yeah, his they actually never... Um, Onion head. Yeah, yeah, they never name him, Onion and it was kind of... An inside joke. It was Onion supposed to be head. John Belushi. Yeah, his name was Onion Head. That sounds or the Green Onion. 
Onion, onion head sounds right. Because he's supposed to be yeah. like smelly. And uh, what was mm-hmm. also iconic from the scene besides scene. besides yeah the cigarette hanging out of his mouth but slimer is the image that was most ingrained for me when i first saw this when i was a kid i remember oh, yeah. i remember thinking slimer was like so funny and cool and i was a wee chap <laughs> <laughs> when i grew up i want to be just like slimer well you got a there was actually a pretty cool cartoon um, that was an actually animated pretty, series yeah yeah called mm. the real ghostbusters and slimer was a big part of the team so maybe that's why we liked him. I don't know if you watched that, Josh. Well, yeah, and the high C drink ecto cooler with slime. Oh my gosh, is greatest, delicious, <laughs> greatest of all time for sure. But uh, yeah, so um, just that. Yeah. What did you guys think of how how he looked? Like you were saying, the some of the special effects don't really hold up, but I kind of like the special effects in this. Oh movie no, no. yeah, I think actually, I think the only thing that doesn't really hold up, and my wife actually made a comment, is like the. When the dogs move, yeah, the like, dogs. But are everything, made, yeah. everything else, my gosh, no, it's. Uh, I mean, the special effects were good. Yeah, um, Slimer I love looked when really good. Even, like yeah. drinking and eating, and the food oh, yeah. like passes through him and like lands on the floor. <laughs> yes. The food just like is puddling up on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> yep. But yeah, I'd say the the dogs was the main thing I saw. That looked a little out of place, but yeah, I think the special effects look great in this movie. Yeah, I. I agree. I, yeah, I didn't exactly meet. Yeah, what I meant was the dogs look pretty rough, but I can't imagine that was an easy thing to do back in 1983, 84. So, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, the a lot of the practical effects, like her floating actually over the bed, that's that's real. And the I love the eggs. The like uh, succubus ghost floating over the bed looked pretty cool too. Yeah, that was uh, pretty. That used to creep me out a little bit when I was a kid. But but this is a PG movie. And yeah, but 1984. Yeah, but yeah, but I think it's always funny to point out like they say shit a ton, and then this is a scene where a succubus is like, yeah, succubus, Yeah, she undo- undoes his pants. And like, I remember watching this as a kid, I feel like this like would be real bad now in a movie for kids. Well, I was doing a little bit of research too, and this actually <laughs> opened the same weekend as another movie we spoiled, uh, Gremlins. and. Uh-huh. Basically, it was like these two movies, which like spawned the parents' cry for the PG thirteen rating. And it was weird to me too because this movie came out in like June. I always thought Gremlins would be a Christmas movie, but they both opened the same weekend. Uh, Ghostbusters ended up being number one, but yeah, today this would definitely be at least PG thirteen. They may just like play it up a little bit and go for R if they were cool. <laughs> yeah, that scene was that caught me off guard. I forgot about that scene. That whole uh, blowjob scene. <laughs> His eyes go cross-eyed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ghost blowjob scene. Yeah. Did, uh, have you guys ever seen Ghostbusters two? You can definitely tell what uh, to build on what Pappy was saying. They, uh, since it was such a hit with kids, the second movie they don't smoke. Um, they don't c- curse hardly at all. Um, the only smoking reference at all. Um, I think uh, Dan Aykroyd has a unlit cigar in his mouth. So, I think Pappy, you're right. They. Uh, I mean, it's a little different than what you were saying. You were saying that it led to the PG-13, but... They nerfed it. They kind of softened it up a bit for the second go For sure, absolutely. It's kind of a shame. It is. Um, you know, I've always been a fan of Ghostbusters too, but I mean, like, it doesn't stack up. So when I picture a movie, uh, a character that or an actor that was made for a role, 
Um, pretty much the first thing that pops in my head like every time is Bill Murray in this movie. From what it sounds like, you guys would all agree that he was kind of, you can't see anybody. I mean, take a icon like John Belushi and it's like cringe at the thought of him playing uh, Pete Venkman. And he's, so I was wondering if there's like any other, an actor that was kind of made for a role. Before before we get into like other actors and other roles that stack up to this, I, I have in my notes that while this script is good, approaching great i think and just everyone involved does like a really good job i think that bill murray still just really stands out with his genius performance and i have it in my notes the word transcendental because i wanted to say that but i i really think this movie is a ghost of itself pun intended if it weren't for him i I think he's absolutely brilliant in it and I can't think of many better performances than this. To be no, honest. it's it's like my all-time favorite comedy role. Again, I think he was just perfect for the role. His little quips and one-liners are perfect for him because he's kind of a sarcastic, I don't want to say jerk, I mean, but just kind of fills it perfectly. And he's with the two best people for just kind of ripping on because they're both kind of nerdy. And- well, it's not only that. It's just anytime he's on screen – your eye is just drawn to him and soaking up everything he does. And it's all just perfect. It feels like he doesn't even care that he's like in a movie. He's just having yeah. fun. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of like the selling point of his character is he's the loose cannon guy. Yeah. yeah he's, he's perfect for this role. Pap, where yeah, do you I, think this Yeah, stacks up with other Bill Murray performances? I mean, I think he completely steals the movie. And like what we touched on earlier, like like Josh said, like he's completely. What do you say, trans? I I I, I agree yeah. with that. Yep. Bill Murray, really, uh, does just transcend the role. Uh, actually, I kind of want to pivot a little bit though. I want to talk about Ernie Hudson playing uh, yeah. Winston. What do you guys think about his character? Because it's always struck me as weird that he just kind of shows up forty five minutes in. And then like is relegated to a driver, but it's, yeah, it's not like, it's not like a big deal. It's not like they use him to be like, it'd be really easy to be like exposition. He's a new guy. And they explain like what's right. happening. They, they don't use him for that. Mm-hmm. He just kind of just joins halfway through. Like, well, that they kind of explain it away a little bit by they're so popular and they're in such high demand. They need, yeah, they're so tired that they need help. There's actually a deleted scene where he goes over his resume and it's he's like he was like uh, in the military and he did a couple of these uh, nice things, but uh, they decided just to go to Janine. Do you believe in UFOs, astral projections, mental telepathy, ESP, clairvoyance, spirit photography, telekinetic movement, full trance mediums, the Loch Ness monster, and the theory of Atlantis? Uh, if there's a steady paycheck in it. I'll believe anything you say. Ernie Hudson said he has a bittersweet love-hate relationship with this movie, like he loved it and loved the guys. Welcome aboard. I think what bothers me about that situation is that alone, his performance is good, and I think it works within the movie. He's like an everyday New Yorker just looking for work. I'll believe whatever you want me to believe as long as there's a steady paycheck. Like I get that. But what bothers me about the backstory is that it's like, we're going to have Eddie Murphy but we couldn't get him. So we're going to get another black guy that's not as good. So we're going to cut the role back a little bit. That's just really confusing to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad that like, like I said earlier, if it would have been Eddie Murphy, I feel like this role would have been 
to be more comedic. He doesn't have a lot of jokes, but he, he just kind of facilitates the plot a little bit. That's just like, we need a black guy. Well, if he's good, we'll give him a lot of lines. And if he's bad, we're not going to give him many. It wasn't, it wasn't like they wrote out Eddie Murphy's part. Like if you think about, if you read about it, Eddie Murphy was supposed to be the one that got slimed in the hotel. I think it was just more of a combination of three people. And then they kind of spread it out to other three other people. And then they kind of added somebody. Now, you know, if you want to talk about why they cast, you know, Ernie Hudson and not, I don't know, Johnny white guy who somebody else, I don't, I don't know. I don't think, yeah, I don't think Ernie Hudson's mad about having a role in Ghostbusters. It's not like he's been in many movies of that level. No, he has come out and said that there's some things that he's upset about it. I think Brett was just hitting on that. Yeah. I mean, again, he had a much bigger part in the second movie. It was actually, I read that Reginald Vell Johnson was supposed to do the role and it was supposed to be pretty small. And then they cast Ernie Hudson instead. So I don't know if you guys are familiar with Reginald Bell Johnson. I'm sure you are. I'm not. Uh, he's uh, <laughs> he was Carl on Family Matters. He's the the main character. Oh. He's actually in this movie. He's the cop. In yep. This movie. He's a cop in a lot of movies. Yeah. Die Hard. Die Hard one. Die, yeah. Die, Die Hard two. Die he Hard joins one. a yep. two movie club. RVJ. From what I understand, though, Ernie Hudson was mostly upset that his character wasn't really fleshed out very much. I think he's just mad that he got a small role. To rewind to 1984, right? Yeah, uh, it released in 1984. Yeah, I mean, you know, there weren't a lot of roles like this that were offered to black actors. So, like, is it perfect and fair and equal? No, but am I glad that they at least kept the opportunity open for another african-american actor who basically made a career off of this i don't think that's a bad thing it's complicated when we talk about movies that were done a long time ago also roles can be specific in asking for an asian person a black person an indian like that kind of stuff that's not unusual um also but this character is just a new yorker from out of nowhere does that but also, he's not Eddie Murphy, so you're asking this much less experienced actor to re- fill in for Eddie Murphy? That's yeah, a lot to ask And his character for. doesn't play into any stereotypes other than that of being a New Yorker. He doesn't like play into black stereotypes. Like He just happens to be a black guy from New York. Like That would have been over the line. I think the worst part is that they just introduced him so late into the movie. He kind of comes in at a weird time, like everything's already established, and then he gets hired. It's just something you don't see very often in movie <laughs> screenwriting at all, where like a guy just kind of jumps in, and there's no real rhyme or reason or point to it. That part of it, I actually kind of like, because I thought it was unique in that way. Usually, if there's four main characters, you're gonna know all of them right at the beginning. Or like, yeah, or like he would have had like been the guy in the library who got slimed and would have come back later and been like, I got to get him for that day. I got to get my revenge or something. You know what I mean? Like he doesn't really have, he just wants to get paid, which is awesome. Which is kind of, yeah, it's refreshing for sure. But just to end this part, I mean, it always bugs me when people take roles and then they whine about it. I mean, he read the script, right? He agreed to do the role. He knew he had two minutes of dialogue. They changed the script. Why are we? They rewrote it. 
Yeah, to be. Because because he's not Eddie Murphy. They had to have been a final script that they gave to Ernie Hudson that was just like the one that got on the movie. I, that's all I'm saying. I mean, he took the role. He knew it was a. He didn't. I promise you, I would bet. I would be willing to bet money that he did not pick up a uh, a script that said you're going to be playing this Eddie Murphy character with 48 minutes of dialogue. I, I would bet money that's not how it happened. So I'm guessing when he got the script, it was a much smaller role. Like, hey, you're going to come in at the 48 minute mark. Uh, you're going to really help the guys out. You're going to battle with them. You're going to be the every New Yorker man. Yeah, yeah, Josh, don't ruin Ghostbusters for us. Whoa, man. whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah, man. Just, just hold off on the, on the racial conspiracy <laughs> here. Going All on I'm with saying is there's a lot of this whole like Ernie Hudson being in it thing, I think is it makes for the movie to be more interesting. But I just wonder what happened behind the scenes where I hate saying this because it so, sounds so callous, but like. I feel like Ramus and Aykroyd were back there like, we got to have a black dude. Weird. Anyway, you can move on, Brett. Sorry. No, that's all right. I, I just, I mean, I'll talk about this all day, but I know you don't want a two-hour podcast, so. Oh, but our listeners uh, do. Well, yeah, it's. Jim McMaster's and the rest of them. Spooky spoilers. <laughs> Pappy, I feel like talk, likes to talk about the score. Uh, it's just always been one of my favorite scores, but I just wondered what you thought of that score. Obviously, I'm not just talking about Ray Parker Jr.'s Ghostbusters song, but... Well, we got to start there because that was nominated for an Oscar, right? Probably. It was. Uh, it was actually, yeah. there was a lot of really cool stories about how he wrote the song, but I don't remember them offhand, so... But I mean, but, like, I the way that it's used, like, it's used over a montage where they go from basically doing that first job in the hotel to becoming famous and getting on uh, Sigourney Weaver's radar again, like, to their fame. But Which is most important. That, yeah, that, that montage <laughs> could have been real stupid, but when you put the iconic Ghostbusters song yeah. over it, it just it works. It works so perfectly. So I have that in my notes, actually, to ask you guys, why is this montage so entertaining and fun when usually song. montages are just Dude, it's the song. Really? It's absolutely this. When as soon as I heard the song blaring, it was like it took <laughs> oh, me yeah. back immediately. It's like it, the song is nostalgia in in a song. It's crazy. Well, I was gonna say like Karate Kid, the movie that this was actually also in theaters at the same time. So at one point you had Gremlins, Ghostbusters, Ugh. and Karate Kid, three Ugh. spoilers movies, uh, all in theaters. But that uses a montage like the best or the summer of the best. <laughs> Was the summer of spoilers now? <laughs> but that uses the montage of like the best around, and that song like just doesn't hold up. And like Josh had a lot of problems with that montage. This is like basically the same kind of movie coming out at the same time, using like, the same '80s montage. But it's just a song that makes it special. Josh, you, I think he was asking you if you agree was, with that or not. I don't know. I, I think I remember. It's kind of like a payoff scene, too, because they've been struggling to even know if ghosts are real. And the montage is all of a sudden they know they're real. They know they can, like, fight them. And the montage is just them, like, showing a bunch of them captured. So it's kind of, I guess, like, soothing in that you're like, oh, now they got it figured out. It's it's funny. It's like the most productive montage. <laughs> yeah, it's a lot of bang for your buck. It's... Yeah, it's, it covers everything. It's entertaining. It's funny. You got cameos, but not like 
ridiculously over-the-top cameos. I don't know. It pretty much very well done. But getting back to the other parts of the score, too. It also uh, has newspaper roll-ins. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> I do want to play the clip of Saving the Day here on the pod oh, for yeah. a little bit. Like, that song is kind of forgettable. <laughs> but it's, like, also <laughs> kind of 80s cool. I don't know. Like, listen for yourself. We're hearing yeah. it. We're hearing it right now. Yeah, it's great. Brett, do you like That's that good. song? Oh man! Shh. I'm sorry. I'm I'm snapping along with it. It's great. It's gonna be really hard to edit that on top of that snap. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds really nice. Uh, yeah, you know what I'm talking really about. Good. That's pretty good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I like the music when like, they arrive at the scene and up above these clouds are forming. and like Yeah, oh yeah. And there's all this ruckus. And then there's like the smash cut to them inside of the, uh, I guess, building, like climbing all the stairs. Oh, I love that scene. Oh, it's such a great shot. The music really helps there too. It's just like this... Really, okay. But my absolute favorite use of music in this movie is the thing I've done to every single piano I've seen in my entire oh, life. Oh, me too. Oh my gosh! <laughs> is when uh, Bill Murray is first in uh, Dana Dana's Barrett's apartment. yeah apartment, mm-hmm. and he like lifts up the top of the piano and just like twinkles the the top two highest keys. <laughs> <laughs> They hate that. <laughs> I, I like to torture them. They hate this. I like to torture them. That's right, boys. It's Dr. Venkman. Yeah, that's one of my favorite lines of the whole movie. Oh, we, we, yeah, we always did that with pianos growing up. That's right, it's Dr. Venkman. Yeah, because he, he, like, I don't even know if he really even believes it then, even though he had already seen a ghost earlier in the movie. He's still just making up stuff. He's got some like weird like turkey baster thing. He's like squeezing around her apartment, <laughs> like doing some weird mm. tests. He's yeah, just totally yeah. bullshitting doing just to get into her apartment. Yeah. They gave him the choice out of all the props, which one he wanted to do for that. And that's the one he chose. <laughs> it's actually like something you squeeze to see if there's like a gas leak, I guess, back in 1984. <laughs> But he thought it was the funniest one, so that's the one he did. It is. It's, sci- it's scientific. Are you sure you're using uh, that thing right? Well, yeah, I think so. Pappy, I know you yeah. breezed by the Bill Murray section earlier and made us like pivot, but weigh in on this, dude. What makes this performance by him so special? I really just think it is his coolness. Like sometimes there's just like a person in a role, and they're just it must just be like they're tapping into something that like is actually a part of themselves. Like I think of like Jeff Bridges as the dude, like uh, Henry Winkleitner as Fonzie, like Winkleitner. As- Did you say Winkleitner? Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Henry Winkler. Bill Murray as Venkman. Like there's sometimes there's just a man 
who was born to play a role and he and and Bill Murray just like completely fits the part. He's just so at ease and like he grounds this like what could be a completely silly and over the top premise and this like coolness that makes it work. Is he kind of like an everyday man too, just even despite the coolness or not? Like do you picture himself as you in that role or what you would like want yourself to be? Well, I think one of the best parts about him though is that he's kind of a fraud like you know what I mean? like going back to like his like academic career like he's not really he's just like faking it till he makes it like he's like kind of like the american dream like he's just bullshitting and like falls into this business <laughs> and falls into all this fame and money and falls into like getting essentially the girl like the main girl like just by being cool i don't know and it, he's suave yeah an attractiveness level like he's batting out of his league at that point, I'd have to say. Oh yeah, but yeah, but he's pretty smooth, pretty slick. So yeah, he kind of makes up for it. Yeah, he's not. I took a screenshot yeah. of when Bill Murray like reintroduces himself to Sigourney Weaver, and she's with that like musician, and he's like doing this like weird dance down the street, and like there's no way that's written in the script. No. <laughs> yeah, and it's not what I would say he's is like suave, but he's just like. like- you know, the Fonz would never do that. But who would do Arthur that? Fon- Arthur Fonzaridi? Yeah, he wouldn't do that. <laughs> Henley, Henley Winklightner. <laughs> Henley Winklightner? <laughs> I sent, he I does you guys treat the uh, secretary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he treats Annie Potts pretty terribly, though. I don't think we've touched t- touched on her performance much, but he just like shits on her. I thought she did a great job. She was, yeah. She complains about her work conditions, yeah, and he basically says, "Well, you could work in food She's services." Awesome. Oh, that's such a diss! I love it's it. It's brutal. Yeah, yeah. It's so mean. <laughs> like, and basically all the other women in the movie, he's like trying to sleep with, except for her. He just shits on her. <laughs> and I thought she was still super attractive. She's Bo Peep from Toy Story. That's her top IMDb credit. Like when Sigourney yeah. Weaver calls and Janine goes nuts and like she's like, "We got one," and she's like, it, "There's that." And then in the montage, like the bus, the Ghostbusters have like hit it big, and it shows her and she's like straight back to Janine, like bored old self, just taking calls for ghosts. I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> I love the parts where she's trying to sleep with Harold Ramis. Like, <laughs> I did not catch that as a kid. Well, there was a, definitely a bigger storyline. I don't know if you saw that, where they they cut a lot of those scenes where they were supposed to be like a budding romance between them. Is he kind of shutting shutting that down oh, the yeah. whole time? Because I thought like at the at the end she's like jumping all over him, and he's still kind of yeah. Why is he shutting it down, you guys? Why? Do well, you think? because he doesn't care about women. He he collects spores, molds, and fungus. He's on the spectrum. <laughs> Edit point. No. Leave that in. What? <laughs> what the fuck? He's all about science. <laughs> he has no time for the ladies. Nope. That part where he pops out from underneath her desk is such a... Yeah, what was going on there? There's some implications there for sure, right? No, I don't think so. I mean, he wasn't doing that, but you don't pop out hidden from a woman's desk without at least implications of something. So we can allude to oral sex, but we can't allude to being autistic. Okay. Very progressive pot, Josh. 
Yeah, you guys did blackout passion. I think you guys are beyond. Uh, what do you mean, you guys? Salvation. That's we. That's we, Brett. <laughs> I loved it. So, yeah. All right. Well, I mean, again, I could talk about this movie for hours, but there's two things I wanted to get to before we got to trivia. Um, William Atherton's character, uh, the EPA agent Peck, Walter, Walter Peck. Peck. I'm Walter Peck. I represent the Environmental Protection Agency, the third district. Great. How's it going down there? Are you Peter Venkman? Yes, I'm Dr. Venkman. I mean, he's Becker. just kind of, he's almost like a stereotypical 80s douchebag, but I, I don't know if you've heard Harold Ramis talk about he wanted his bad guy in the movie to be really kind of like what you said, understated, because uh, when he did the Animal House, he considered the villains to be way too over the top because he wrote that movie. And he wanted the. Uh, the bad guys in this movie to be kind of like the Dean um, and Walter Peck. Walter Peck, that's not right, is it? That's a famous actor, isn't it? I, th- Gregory I think he succeeded in that, in their first interaction, oh. when him and Bill Murray, and they had the whole back and forth about, like, you didn't say the magic word. Yeah. I thought that was genius. But then I think every time you see him after that, he's pretty much just, like, full-out rage mode. Yeah, that's true. He's got a big-time problem. Well, again, Peter Vakeman insulted him. Now, whether that would have changed how Peck acted, probably not. But Mankman was just too sarcastic to talk to this guy. But I don't know. I thought he was a really good bad guy. You, you like, hate him and you kind of like what happens to him at the end. I would say rage mode is understated. He wanted, <laughs> he wanted to shoot Bill Murray when he was trying to turn off the power to that, uh, yeah. the ghost cell yeah. or whatever. It's yeah, like, the power supply, yeah. He's, he was a little crazy. My friend, don't be a jerk. Step aside. If he does that again, you can shoot him. You do your job, pencil neck. Don't tell me how to do mine. Thank you, officer. Shut it up. Yeah, that's what makes Bill Murray so cool. Like, when he's coming at him, like, Bill Murray just does this, like, weird jujitsu, like, turning all the insults back on him. Like, oh, you didn't say the magic word. Like, so calm. Like, just turning it back around, getting him frustrated. Like, playing yeah. it up. It's, uh, it's kind of a perfect storm of... One sarcastic guy, yeah. I do like that as writing because Walter Peck in that first meeting, I would argue that him and Bill Murray are actually kind of cool with each other until the very end where Bill Murray finally says, like, I'm not going to let you see that. And I think when Walter Peck is, like, stewing about that off screen, he's just getting more and more pissed. Yep. Eventually he's going to go down a dark path that's going to let, like, end up with him get in a huge cum shot to the full body from the sky. It's like a marshmallow cum. All right. I'm not going to say it again. Well, one, one thing I did write down about his character too is like, I feel like in 2017, you wouldn't see a bad guy who was from the EPA. You know what I mean? Like that's not yeah. the, I thought that was, today. I thought that was hilarious. very Reaganistic. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair that, well, with his character, like, honestly, I get that the EPA would be very concerned about, like, whatever the Ghostbusters are doing. Like, he realizes they're, he, he admits that they're, they're, like, storing something, but then he has no problem with releasing it. Like, what was he trying to prove there? That's, that's one plot point that didn't quite drive with, with me, because, like, if he actually thinks they're storing mm-hmm. something, why does he want them to turn it off? Is he just ready to watch the world burn at that point or what? I, if you listen to some of the things he says to the mayor later, 
and his skepticism early, he almost makes me think that he doesn't believe in any of it. And he says it later, they use toxic nerve gas. I think he thinks they're running some crazy scam where they're drugging people. I mean, that's what he says, at least, um, to the mayor later. So if you're an e- if you're part of that organization, organization and think they're a fraud and not actually storing anything, then you shouldn't care because they're not storing anything toxic or... Well, I feel like it was more like going after Al Capone for his taxes. Like, he represented the government who is skeptical, and they were just trying to, like, go at this angle. It's so, like, what are you... Are you storing nuclear waste here? Like that was just like a means to an end of shutting them down, like trying to hit them up on some violations. I could buy that. I mean, they have unlicensed nuclear proton packs on their back, and I can't imagine how much power they need to power that thing. And maybe just you add all that together, and the EPA gets involved. I don't know. Could have been. They could have just been cliche and had the FBI come. So it didn't ruin the movie better. for me. It it was just one point where I was kind of confused and going back and forth, but then I just laughed at the dickless joke and got over it. Yeah, so. that's. I mean, I Josh knows this. That little exchange is probably my favorite movie exchange ever, and that line by Murray's my favorite movie line of all time. I don't know if you want to insert it right now. I'm Walter Peck, sir, and I'm prepared to make a full report. These men are consummate snowball artists. They use sense and nerve gases to induce hallucinations. People think they're seeing ghosts. And they call these bozos who conveniently show up to deal with the problem with a fake electronic light show. Everything was fine with our system until the power grid was shut off by Dickless here. They caused an explosion. Is this true? Yes, it's true. This man has no dick. Do you think that Bill Murray's character in that moment is like really proud of Dan Aykroyd's character and calling someone else dickless in front of a judge? Like he's like, I'm going to back up a brother in that one. (laughs) He learned a lot from Peter finally coming out at the end. Yeah, that's the mayor. Actually, that's more than the judge and a priest. Cardinal, something like that. Did you guys catch this weird thing where in like the corner of a ton of frames there of like extras, there'd always be like this priest like crossing or like there's like a lot of religious symbolism in like the corner of frames and it always seemed to be like a Catholic priest like crossing themselves and blessing. There's also a bunch of rabbis. Yeah. Because yeah. they think it's the end of the world, so nobody steps on a church in my town. <laughs> oh, classic line. But speaking of that, sorry, oh, well, does anybody have anything for Josh's point? I mean, I just think it's kind of just because it's the end of the world. They think, well, I guess technically it probably would be the end of the world. They didn't stop Gozer, the Gozerian. I mean, but, Catholic, uh, it's a Catholic thing, right, Pat? But we just did Blackout Passion. I mean, I've heard it, like this, this movie is a little bit about like belief versus science, but I don't really get quite that vibe. It's just more of like playing into like what's what do you going mean? on. Well, I don't. I don't really necessarily think this, but like, like you know, I was watching one YouTube video. I was trying to describe like what's the point of Ghostbusters, and one of the theories tossed out there was that it was like the scientific Egon versus like the spiritual side or whatever. But I didn't really get that. I just really thought that it was more like part of the spiritual element, the whole priests and stuff, cardinals, Your Excellency. Yeah, I, but it's yeah. When they introduced the Cardinal, I just assumed that 
there'd be a lot more people walking around. Well, like what, like what, yeah. Like, like, like you were saying, like more priests and stuff around because they do think it's the apocalypse. And then when he's like pitching it, like Bill Murray's like, and you will save the lives of millions of registered voters. The the Cardinal guy like gives him like a thumbs up or like (laughs) raises his eyebrows or something like approving, (laughs) approvingly. Yep. But the 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 priests and rabbis don't seem to be like uh, trying to intervene on behalf of humanity for the end of the world. They're just like basically cheering on the Ghostbusters, which is kind of funny. Yeah. Well. Okay. Spooky spoilers. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, well, I'm glad they. I'm glad it keeps it at an arm's length. Like, a lesser movie could have easily like explored a more religious aspect or like explained i mean like we get the explanation that like uh what is it gozer is coming back or whatever like sumerians yeah yeah. the the towers and antenna whatever like we don't spend too much time on that which i love like whatever there's ghosts something's happening winston does have his he does mention that he's like a christian like i like jesus style because I, I didn't remember that line until I watched it again. Yeah, when they're uh, in the car, him and him and Ray. Yeah, he just like asks him if he believes in God straight up. It's pretty pretty interesting scene. Yeah, I like that scene, and uh, I like the music too. Hey Ray, do you believe in God? Never met him. Yeah, well I do, and I love Jesus's style. You know, do you remember something in the Bible about the last days when the dead would rise from the grave? I remember Revelation 7:12. And I looked as he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became as black as sackcloth, and the moon became as blood, and the seas boiled, and the skies fell. Judgment day. Judgment day. Just before we get to trivia, I mean, we got to at least talk about the, the the grand finale. I think there's a lot of classic lines. I feel like people still quote. It just popped in there. What? What just popped in there? I, I, I tried to think. Look! No! It can't be. What is it? It can't be. What did you do, Ray? Oh, shit. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man scene is like so iconic and I think it still holds up. It looks great. Oh, yeah. And it's just that's when people think about Ghostbusters. This it's just like Ray immediately goes to the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. Yep. <laughs> this is Mr. Nice. Stay Puft. He's okay. He's a sailor. He's, He's in New a York. Sailor, yeah. We get this guy laid, we won't have any trouble. <laughs> what I did notice on this rewatch too is like when Sigourney Weaver's eggs are popping, there's a bag of Stay Puft marshmallows. Next oh yeah, to that. That, they, they did that on purpose. They wanted you to kind of subconsciously see it, but they wanted to create a brand that people would believe that they grew up with because that's kind of like what Ray gets to at the end. He just remembers, he's got happy memories of roasting them and that's kind of what I think what either Mikey or Pappy said. It kind of just popped in his head right away so and then marshmallow yeah. man is super familiar even though he's fictional he's like a combination of like the pillsbury Doughboy and, and michelin, the michelin man, man. Yep. <laughs> yeah 
But um, he does seem like something you knew from your childhood, but you had forgotten. It's kind of cool in that way. And I don't think we brought up the 2016 Ghostbusters yet this podcast. And you did. we probably shouldn't. Oh, okay, we did. I have I still haven't seen it. But uh at one point Papa John literally makes an appearance in that movie. And like there's such restraint in this movie. Like, there is one little Twinkies joke, but like there's basically like no product placement, nothing BS like that. Papa John? I mean, come on. Um any other thoughts on that? I thought the I just thought the whole thing was really cool. The interaction where a gozer comes out and it crosses streams, which is uh, foreshadowing from earlier in the movie, which I think we all know the odds of the survival of that would have been less than 0%, maybe. I never got the cross the streams thing because those those beams are so wild when they shoot them. It seems like they cross them invariably, invariably every single time they like shoot them off. Uh, Josh, total protonic reversal. Ever heard of it? <laughs> oh yeah, my bad. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. So I, I mentioned Slimer was a like lasting image. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, like Mikey said, also was for me like very vivid memories when I was like three or four of thinking that was so cool. But also that line, "What'd you do, Ray?" Yeah, I would say. That's one of those things that's seriously been in my vocabulary my entire life. Absolutely. And there have been parts of my life where I didn't even know it was because of Ghostbusters that that was there. So I feel like kind of a sheeple for that. But also, at least it's like Ghostbusters. It's a good movie. (laughs) Yeah. So, oh, well, uh, anybody else want anything before we get to our yes and no's? Question. Brett. And probably Pappy, too, and Mikey. That's everybody. I know you guys all love this movie. So do I. But if you could, what would be a flaw in this movie that you could change now, if you could? Because you can't say it's perfect. Or can you? All right, this is super duper uber nitpicky. But one thing I've never understood is the timeline during that final battle sequence because it looks like it's mid-afternoon when they show up to the apartments then it's like nighttime when they get to the top and then by the time they come back down it's kind of like morning again that's always kind of confused me but yeah. that's like a super idiotic continuity thing that nobody cares especially about. why it's morning when they come out to like that crowd like would that like, crowd sleep overnight and camp there or what? it didn't feel like something that took like 10 hours yeah, you don't know how long they were up there, though, um, after the explosion. They could have been up there for six hours, passed out. And Sigourney Weaver changed clothes, so that probably would have taken a while. Yeah, and they probably had to go... I, I understand what you're saying. I, I've i never been a huge... Continuity errors have never really bothered me as much as you know factual errors or anything like that, but I... I do see what you're talking about. I never really well, thought Well, I've always it, just so. kind of felt like they shot the two scenes at the bottom of the tower, like in a row, pretty obviously during the day, yeah. and then like shot the one <laughs> in a studio and made it night at the top to make it spooky. Budget cuts. Budget but cuts. Maybe that's like the cloud from the thing. I don't know. Well, they did They did block out the sun, didn't they? That could, Yeah, maybe it's an eclipse. And then when they destroyed Gozer, that cleared up path of totality 
Mikey, do you have a part that you would change? <laughs> my my complaint was uh, that there's one less montage than there should be in this movie. This movie needs one more montage with that kick-ass Ghostbusters theme music. But the montage has to be where they buy the building, which was a great scene. And then just like immediately after that, everything is all set up. They have all this equipment. The inside is totally refurnished and everything. So I thought that was kind of like a perfect time for a Ghostbusters montage right there. A rare yeah. moment where Mikey is asking for montages. <laughs> if they're, done, that first if they're one. done right, if they're done right, like the first one was, it's pretty effective. Brett, would you change anything? Uh, no. Really? <laughs> this is I, again. Bible. I think. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a. I, I do think it's a perfect movie, but. I mean, as much as there can be. Um, I mean, I just think it's like an 80s masterpiece. I think the script was awesome. The acting was awesome. The casting, the music, the effects. I just think it was a... I mean, sure, there's things you can fix and everything. I can't think of anything offhand, but... I guess you said you would fix the claymation dogs. No, no. I mean, that's... that's, I grew up with it. It doesn't bother me. I'm just saying that you could... That's like the only thing that's really dated besides everything else like phones and but that's normal you know no cell phones and obviously but no i think it's uh can i, I go the way it is. I, I thought you started it go ahead absolutely would you I remake would, the remake i would just recast dan Aykroyd <laughs> with like a good actor that's all Ooh. what Ooh. hot take hot oh. take that's all all right brett what's the way no way you think harold ramus is like significantly better actor than dan Aykroyd? uh no but he just plays like a straight nerd scientist i think and he plays it very I th- well i think he does scientist. too i think i just thought dan Aykroyd played that perfectly too he's of the four i would say that he has the worst performance but that's all that wow. I, that's all i'm not, it's not bad i wouldn't replace him he's a blues brother can't replace him all right trivia Wait, well, no, we gotta do I gotta do yes or no's first. So um I guess He's I will vet. start. What? I said you're a vet. Yeah, I know. I've 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 been a fan for a long time. I heard Thank, you guys' first episode. Thank you for your service, Brett. Go ahead. Oh yeah, always. Always. We're trying to so, go through all of our listeners. They can all host one episode. <laughs> just so we don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> it can show you what dedication and loyalty can get you it can get you on the show you've dreamed about being on for two years Wow! here i was listening to mad max or whatever that's called and then two years later here i am hosting i mean dreams do come true <laughs> all right you well, gotta... we haven't even we haven't even <laughs> oh, been a podcast for two full years but <laughs> mikey i'm being serious man i love this show i love it you yes or no i gotta pander us yes Go ahead. No. um <laughs> I, it's an obvious yes for me. It's a 10 out of 10 for me. Uh, I, I think I've pretty much said that I think it's just a perfect 80s movie, a perfect movie in general, or at least a very, very, very solid movie. So it's a definite raging yes for me. Pappy? Yeah, this is a yes for me too. Um, I think it's one of my favorite comedies of all time. Um, and when I think back to the other comedies that i haven't been completely sold on uh finn wilder uh what come on this this is just so confident in what it is and it's not 
begging you to laugh at it and it's not overstating or overplaying the jokes that it knows is funny it's just you'll have a funny hilarious line and the plot will just keep moving on like it's it's a very confident secure subtle perfectly edited movie and like i think maybe out of all the movies like if someone had told me they wouldn't see they haven't seen ghostbusters that might be like the most surprising answer like yeah it's up there with like Star Wars and uh it's pretty iconic, yeah. Yeah, it's like movies that everyone should see. So, yes for me. Uh Mikey? Yeah, it's a yes. Um like Pap said earlier, uh it's just a very tight script. Everything, all the jokes land and uh I mean, you just don't get that in every comedy movie. Uh, it's really hard to pull off, and I think they did a great job here with the writing. And it's cast great. The cast is great. Uh, Bill Murray really pulls it all together. And I think he really makes the movie what it is. Um, and, yeah, I just don't have a bad thing to say about it. It is one of those iconic movies that everybody should see. And, yeah, I would be surprised if someone had said they'd never seen it it's just it's been around in pop culture now forever it seems like it's just one of those movies yeah and uh, no one's really said it but uh props to ivan reitman i thought he did a really nice uh directing job so wanted to say that um josh the pod friend of the pod yeah oh yeah for sure for sure bill murray it's a yes um he is so good in this movie. I don't think that if he if he wasn't in this movie, I don't think we're talking about it like we are right now. Um, this movie is probably in my top ten of all time, Ooh. and it's right beside The Life Aquatic, Steve Zuzu, which I think utilizes Bill Murray in a really similarly genius way. It's Wes Anderson. Um, I just honestly think that Bill Murray is uh, a national treasure, mm-hmm. and I really mean that. And mm-hmm. he's getting up there in age, and yeah. uh, I I hope that he puts on a few more performances that we all get to enjoy before he passes away. Not to be morbid, but I mean he is a genius or there's just something about him, some intangible that's ineffable. And it's really, it, it's captured on screen in this one as it is with several of his movies. But um, Ghostbusters is a great movie and it's a perfect spooky spoiler. And I'm glad you picked Ooh. it, Brett. Spooky. <laughs> All right. So that's, Four yeses, so that is what, Pappy? Preserved. There what kind of food? What kind of food do you relate Ghostbusters to, though, Brett, Pappy? Twinkies. Oh yeah, it never goes bad. Twinkies never goes bad. <laughs> that is a perfect. perfect. <laughs> that's perfect. I have this trivia that could either be awesome or it could be a train wreck. So Ooh, uh, it's a spooky like trivia. Spooky train wreck. <laughs> <laughs> it goes with the train wreck trivia. <laughs> so since there's three people guessing, um, 
Okay, I have in front of me. Come ah, I should have checked to see if you guys have seen this before, but if if you have, well, that you're pretty lucky. Com uh, Complex did a list of top fifty worst sequels of all time. Okay. And I also added six other ones from another list in the top ten that weren't on the other list that I think should have been on there. So I was going to do a little round robin where the first person to get, I don't know, we could say three, right, wins. But if you miss two, you're out. So we have to guess three that are in the top 50, basically, worst sequels of all time. Or don't get two wrong. Okay. Unless you want to do three, three. Again, I think it might go quickly. Three, two. Yeah. So... So, uh, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Money Mike, you have been the longest for you? Yeah, that's right. So, would so, you like to go first or last? I'll go first. I think I got a good one off the bat. So, it's of any movie or scary movies? It's any movie, but... Well, do you guys want to hit now or do you want to... Just lay it on know? us. Well, the hint is... Uh, they lean very heavily on a certain genre that kind of fit, uh, fits perfectly for this spooky spoilers. <laughs> so that's just a good chunk of them. I'll tell you right now is in the horror scary realm. So there you go. No Googling. Uh, nope. So uh, let's go with uh, Mikey. Then let's go with uh, Josh. Then Pappy. Uh, my first guess is... Is Jaws the Revenge on there? The fourth Jaws? The worst Jaws? Jaws the Revenge is actually on the second list, so yes, you do get credit for that. So that's one point. That movie's god-awful. Oh, it's terrible. So, my T's got one. Cool. So, uh, did I say Pappy next, or did I say Josh? Josh. I'm going to say, oh yeah, Godfather 2. Just joking. Just joking. Oh, just I, joking. Say, I mean, that movie's terrible, but it's considered one of the best. So, so I'm going to put myself out in the limb there, and I'm going to say Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Secret of the Ooze. That is not on the list. Bullshit! It's horrible. Happy Wizard of Oz two. Wizard of Oz two. Like Return to Oz? Return to Oz, yeah. No, that is not on here. Fuck, really? That's I like that guess, though. That's really outside of the box. I didn't even know that was a movie. Oh, man, it was so scary and weird. Yeah, it was, yeah, bad. So, so Mikey's got one point, and the other two have missed one. Did I say first two, three, and missed two? Okay. Yeah. So, Mikey? Uh, Is Jaws 3D on there? (laughs) (laughs) No. No, it is not. Are you serious? Because that's also equally <laughs> terrible as Jaws 4. Maybe I should make these three wrong since it's going so fast, but whatever. Josh? Um, Halloween 2? No, I mean, you guys don't have to focus on horror movies. There's a that's lot of movies. That's my guess. No, it's not correct. Josh yeah. has been eliminated. What? Yeah, well, out, well let's go three. It's going so fast. Ah, uh, okay. Pappy? Alien Resurrection. Nope. 
Jeez. So yeah, it's probably pretty hard. I just thought you guys would guess more well-known panned movies, but back off, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> Is Phantom Menace in there? Surprisingly, no. Define sequel. Anything, honestly. Second, third, fourth, fifth. Pretty much anything like that. Uh, Saw 2? No, you guys are really good with that. I mean, Saw 2 is a huge departure from the initial Saw. Josh is out. I know, but we're talking about these movies are like... Yes, these movies are like dumpster fire movies that... Pappy, you're up. This is your last chance. Yeah, your last chance, Pap. Superman 4. What's that called? Yes, you're right. That is one. Quest for Peace. Quest for Quest for Peace. Thank you. Great guys, Pat. Great guys. Stay alive. Canon film. Canon film. Mikey, this is canon. Uh, the Karate Kid two or remake. Remake? What do you mean? Oh, the Jaden Smith. No, that's not on there. I really was rooting for uh, for Mikey here. Did I win? Uh, well, no, yeah. no. Yeah, I win. I think you should have to match. Kind of making it up Halloween, as I go here. Halloween Pat. three. No Halloween. No Halloween movies, guys. Happy or Mikey have to get one right before. All right, it's the sudden right. death. All right, back to Mikey. Uh, okay, Karate Kid two, the original two. Nope, that's not on here. Oh, I thought you were setting me up there. You honey dick. God damn it. <laughs> um, terrible sequels. Caddyshack 2. Yes. Caddyshack 2. Oh, I didn't even know that was a movie. Mikey Snide <laughs> continues. <laughs> well, just why, uh, why, why am I on this show? <laughs> I really, really want to win. <laughs> For your Why do I play so. this game? First of all, I just can I just go over a few of these? You could have. I mean, number yes, one was Speed some. Two Cruise Control. Whatever. Number okay. two, staying staying alive. Okay. Clerks Two. Too fat. I mean, Basic Instinct Two. Young so Guns should... Two. Oh, Young what? Guns Two for oh. sure. Hey, wait, 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 wait. Oh. And then Bat- did Batman you have to Robin? bring it? <laughs> Batman and Robin, I should have gotten that one. Yeah, I was surprised. You know, this movie's like that. Uh, the Rise of Taj Van Wilder 2. I'm, I'm done with call. That was a great yeah, call. Known done. I will, I will guys send you the list um, if you guys want it. But If it's a bad sequel, does that mean that the predecessor was a quality movie? Like Van Wilder? Uh, it did say it was better than this. So if that tells you how bad it is. The Crow 2. Taken to Son of the Mask. I mean, come on. Wop. So, I guess that means Happy is your winner. And Mikey, man, I really, I really wanted it for you. You started off super strong. I kind of screwed you with that Karate Kid, though. No, it's fine. I fucking hate spoilers. It's fine. So, uh, what, we got to do our, uh, 
Spoilers Man coming up now? Is that what's going on? Yeah, let's toss to Spoiler Man to give uh, Pappy yeah, some, time some time to think yep. of a movie. Take it away! Awesome. Spoiler Man. Our email is podcast spoilers. <laughs> Twitter! <laughs> spoilers Don't underscore mock pod. spoilers, man. <laughs> some stars and some words. What'll happen if we mock him, Mikey? <laughs> I, I, we paid the man to do a good job, and he did a great job. And now we, never have to, now we never have to speak those words again. <laughs> he will say whatever we want him to say. Except when he's on vacation, which is sometimes... <laughs> <laughs> he saves us 30 seconds of anxiety over who's going to read the plugs each week. Our email is podcastspoilers at gmail.com. Twitter is at spoilers underscore pod. Our Instagram is podcastspoilers. It's lit. Josh Hensley from the Rutabaga wrote our theme. Our number is 903-776-4507. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, Subscribe on SoundCloud or iTunes. Please don't forget to leave us a review by searching for movie spoilers, clicking on the cereal bowl, select the reviews tab, and leave us some stars and some words. I'm ready. So, yeah, go, uh, we're, we're back on spoilers, so let's see what movie Pappy has chosen. So I really wanted to pick 2016's Ghostbusters, but Mr. Plinkett already did a better review than spoilers is capable of doing right now so give that a listen but in the meantime we'll be doing sam raimi's the evil dead in keeping with spooky spoilers uh okay so we might have to specify like the year and stuff isn't there a bunch of evil deads uh i guess like the 1980 version the original okay the first yeah. Is that Bruce Campbell? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. 1981, The Evil Dead. Dope. Yeah. I, I haven't seen it. Rated right, NC-17. Thanks, thanks for hosting. So. You're welcome, guys. Thanks whoa, for bearing with me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's NC-17? Yes. I don't think I've ever seen an NC-17 movie. Well, we have to put the little girls. explicit content warning on this podcast. What the hell? <laughs> What's so bad that it's that NC-17? What? I think there's a lot of blood, especially for... Well, ratings were different in 1981, I believe. That's why Ghostbusters PG. There was... Yeah. That's true. So, well, thanks everybody for joining me on this wonderful... Great, great job, ride. Brett. Thanks, yeah, yeah, very good. I appreciate well it. I uh, I love that trivia. Got the, yeah, I had it planned for more people so there'd be more guesses and we'd get more. But it worked out. It went kind of quick and, you know, it took longer to do than it took me to make the list. So, Brett, are you coming back for Evil Dead? I, again, I'll tell you, I will do any spoilers you ever want me to do as long as there's not spiders in the movie or it's super scary <laughs> spiders he's got oh, yeah. limits he's got limits folks <laughs> arachnophobia arachnophobia yeah yes i have very bad arachnophobia have you seen that movie, movie though that movie's great <laughs> you know i get you know often i get asked that and it's like no i haven't seen it i don't oh, like spiders that would be a good speech. next on spoilers <laughs>
But, uh, oof. So, I don't know. Yes, I will be on it if you guys would like me to be on it. I've never seen that movie, so. Pat, Pat Father, can Brett be on it? Brett's on it. Brett's I got in. a piece so bad, though, guys. Can we wrap this up? <laughs> me <laughs> too. <laughs> uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, this has been Spoilers. That was This has been spoilers. <laughs> this has been spoilers. Right, I'm Ron Jeremy. You asked. You asked like a question. <laughs> this has been spoilers. It was kind of like, is this how I should end it? Should somebody else take over?